welcome back to The Drop. This is Michael Saramella here to talk about everything that happened this week in surfing. It is a huge week, like a genuinely, genuinely huge week. Not only did we have the Vans Pipe Masters, not only did we have the finale of the Electric Acid Surfboard Test, not only did we have Best Wetsuits 2024 and an interview about a new wave pool that is opening, we also have news that hasn't even made it onto the site yet about one of the biggest stars in surfing who will cease to compete in 2024. You're going to hear about it soon. Let's drop in. And hello, viewers. Greetings. Mikey, still in Hawaii, still shirtless. I saw you wearing a shirt. You were very important at the Pipe Masters. They put you in a shirt. I was curious. I don't think the question was fully answered, but was the room that you were in air conditioned while you were working? Because the shirt thing really concerned me. There was air conditioning. Yeah, we had a lot of um, important technical electronics in there. And um, yeah, so it was a nice, cool, I know it was a nice, it was a good temperature room. And I sat there for about nine hours a day for three out of four days in a row. Wow. Just like Paul Evans, he won't commentate a QS event unless there is air conditioning. <laughs> I've heard that, yeah. And Ben Mondi will not commentate unless there is ice cream available to even the lowest tier staffers. He's a man of principle. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, the Vance Pipe Masters is done. Um, what a show. We're going to get into that in the next segment. But Let's get into it. It's a, I'm going to call this a massive week. Looking at these topics, I'm going to say this is a big week. There's a lot on here. Yeah, there's one thing that it hasn't even gone on the website yet that is probably the biggest news that we've had in a long time. So we'll get to that shortly. But first up, Vance Pipe Masters. Moana Jones reclaims matriarchy. John Florence wins War of Attrition at 2023 Vance Pipe Masters. Wow. Final day. This was a roller coaster, man. With the forecast, at, at one point, should surf forecasting just be canceled? Because at one point, it was just like, oh, it's going to be two foot and windy. And then it was still kind of windy, but the wind wasn't horrific. It was like, that was a really fun day of surfing the final day. And if you looked like maybe two, three days prior, you would have never pegged it. When you told me I was going to run the night before the final, I was like, really? Yeah, well, you and half of the competitors and half of the people that were involved in the whole thing, people were like, what are we doing? Like, what do you mean we're running? And we woke up that morning and the ocean was fucking flat. We got down to pipeline at 6 a.m. before there was any sun on it. But like, you can still see for whatever reason, Hawaii, you can like always see the white water. And um, yeah, there was just nothing there. It looked like a fucking lake. And Nate Fletcher, God among us that he is, it was like, nope, we're on, 8 a.m. And Nate trusted the buoys. And the buoys showed they hit at, I think, like 10 p.m. the night before or something like that, or maybe like 9 p.m. And it's typically about 12 hours, you know, give or take, given whatever the swell period is, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, it's going to be on. And we just got to do it. Because we got to a point where we realized with the rest of the, the waiting period, it looked absolutely horrible. And the the only way we could really do it was to finish that entire day. So we had to shorten heats by a little bit to make sure that we could get through the entire last round of men's and women's and get the finals done. And Nate made the call, and it was the best call ever because I can tell you since then it has been utterly unsurfable and will continue to be, I think, until the end of the waiting period. Wow. I don't even think Nate needed the buoys. Like, if you told me that he made that call, just looked out at a flat ocean with still some starlight on it, a little bit of moon shining... And it's like, we're on. I would have still trusted him. I would have went to war for him. Um, 
it is nice to have buoys. Buoys don't lie. They just they float up and down the ocean and uh, tell you how much they did so. So I get trusting the buoys. But at the same time, I don't think he needed them. Yeah, well, and even, I mean, it went so far as an eventual event winner was telling him, no, don't run yet. Like, we... We want to get to surf the good waves, blah, blah, blah. And, like, Nate was like, no, we're, we have to do this. Like, there's no other way. And it was such a good call. And even, like, people who were calling us out for running on that small day, it's like the other, the only other option was to basically only run two rounds and then the final because it is just utterly unsurfable now. It is, like, northeast winds, northeast swell. It looks nothing like the wave that we know and love as Pipeline. Wow. Well, it looked a lot like the wave that we know and love as Pipeline, We'll get to, I mean, we announced the winners. Everybody knows the winners by the time this goes live. It's its not a secret. You saw it. And we already said it in the headline. But for me, I think Harry Bryant's wave was one of the coolest things I've seen all year. I know we're working on a story now that's like the biggest stories of 2023. And a lot happened this year. You know, Bordires got bought. Eric Logan disappeared. There's some massive stories. And it's hard to say that's like a story, one wave, but... Harry Bryant meeting a guy in a pub because a car broke down in South Australia that has just been quietly handshaping boards for decades and then building a relationship with this guy and then getting a wave of a lifetime on it in the Pipe Masters. That to me is one of the coolest stories of this year by a fucking mile. Yeah, we saw Harry that night after the event had finished. Obviously, he didn't make the final because he just couldn't quite get like that little backup score that he needed. But I don't think he could have cared less. Like, I mean, you even heard him after his post-heat interview, Holly asked him, like, oh, are you bummed to not make the final? He's like, what do you mean? I just came in from the final. <laughs> um, but He just came in from, like, a, a lifetime moment. That thing was fucking stupid. It was stupid, yeah, and I asked him, he was like, yeah, I, I couldn't see anything at all inside of that barrel. He said he wasn't, like, he, he was, like, behind the foam ball, but it was, like, lifting his tail up the whole time rather than, like, sucking him inside. So it was, like, he was on that little, like, bubble of energy that we talked about with Kanehe. And, yeah, he was just, like, in that one spot of, like, it's like being in the eye of a hurricane, right? Like, you're in that one little spot where there's, like, a little cushion, a little pillow of safety, and it carried him to the end of that wave. And, yeah, it was the best wave of his life. So he's on cloud nine right now. He's also, he premiered his uh, his new film, Motel Hell, out here. It is unfucking believable and a little bonus for stab premium members we're going to get a stab premium exclusive window on that online before it goes out to everyone so keep an eye out for that in january but yeah harry is on a high right now oh as he should be that was so sick and just the story of that board you can't overlook that nathan told that story on the broadcast too we had our comp director on the on the webcast telling people what happened and yeah that that wave is just i think if you look at the comments on staff's instagram post of it you see one how many people are just wildly impressed by it and two just how many people like harry you know how sometimes people like if it's somebody that if it's something really impressive but the person isn't universally adored you're not going to see that many like big names commenting this is for harry it's everybody in the world just being like yo what was this <laughs> how did this happen and the other cool thing about this is harry's been in this event now vance pipe masters two years Last year, he got the best backdoor wave of his life. This year, he got the best wave period of his life at Pipe. And I think that really goes to, like, it kind of, like, validates bringing in these outside names that might not otherwise get a shot in a major Pipe event. 
because it's guys that like they're not going to get these waves in a free surf like you know that and i don't know it just goes to show that their level actually is up there with some of the best in the world they just don't always have the opportunity so obviously we haven't had like one of those guys really crack the final yet but harry doing what he did this year even aton got a crazy wave at backdoor last year you know someone like noah dean is super capable like i don't know i think it's so cool to be able to see these figures that you'd never normally see in an event out there go out and just show how fucking good they are yeah truly truly but he didn't win he didn't win we had an all hawaiian men's final and john won i mean come on john mcconapang billy kemper seth nonis that's a powerful heat i picked nathan as a winner he did not win his brother did so kept it in the family but uh yeah you get uh third third credit for that yeah one third credit yeah i mean you know, if I just said Florence, I would have been not wrong. So, did you did you put any money on Bet Online? No, I didn't. I just couldn't. I uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't like betting event winners. Mm. It's too hard. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't. I like betting heat winners. Fair enough. There are just some crazy odds for event winners, and I hit one on Moana. I did. I threw a cheeky fifty. What were her odds? I forget the exact number, but I put in $50, and I got 450 in return. Oh, my God. Oh, by the way, I don't know if you saw my message on our little Slack channel today, and for anybody listening, this is a hot tip, but betonline.ag has their odds up for the 2024 Championship Tour World Champions. And I will just say that the odds are better now than they're going to be for the rest of the year. However, you will want to listen to the next segment before you go and place a bet on the women's side. Yeah, let's get more into that next segment because I have some thoughts there too. Anyway, women's final. This was great. This did not happen at 3 a.m. European time, so I got to watch this. Luana Jones, Molly Picklem, Chris and Moore, Aaron Brooks. That heat in and of itself is so sick. Just think about that collection of individuals like that was fucking cool the waves are good for it everything about that was awesome um moana is so good at that wave she's so consistent and she's just gnarly dude but moana moana we know right like when i watch you go and watch that last day how good is molly how good is sierra how good is aaron like it is insane like five years ago it just you never would have been able to talk about it like this like it just it was they were just not on that level even close like they've gone up not one not two not three they're like five times better than they were five years ago it's unbelievable oh it's insane molly i think out of that pack i gotta say i'm blown away by molly like even it was talked about on the broadcast but her real effort to get better at backside barrel riding and i think she said that she was looking at benji brand which to me is like odd choice that's pretty no, it's pretty deep. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> um, but just seeing how that freakish consistency out there and the confidence is, she's gnarly. She is, wow. I agree, yeah. I After seeing that performance, I put a little bit of money on her to win the title this year. Um, I think. I mean, I know it's kind of dumb. Like, it finishes, it lowers. It's so not this. But, like, still seeing how confident and comfortable she is, like, she definitely, it feels like she's maybe hitting even, like, another level from where she was at last year so that was unbelievable to see the women like they scored they got the best conditions of the event and they absolutely capitalized on them 
um, seeing Moana come back on finals day, there were so many like changes in the leaderboard, especially on the men's side. I think like eight men came in and out of the top four in the last day. Um, for the women, Moana jumped in, Sierra jumped in, Moana got past Sierra, got into the final. And Aaron Brooks, 16 years old, up against like the best women in the world out there and looking totally in her element. Granted, I think on a board that was a little bit too small. I think if she goes back and watches that, she'll realize that if she was on something more like what Moana was riding, she probably would have had a better shot at it. Um, but man, it is so exciting to me to see how good these women are getting out there and yeah it just like makes me really excited for the future and beyond yeah sick event i really enjoyed it anything else you learned from being there on site in a in an air-conditioned room for nine hours oh well there were some funny moments so like danny was danny and i were behind the scenes along with some of our like sam was there too and other people and we were basically in communications with the commentators and also the people doing like the technical side of the broadcast, just trying to editorialize everything that was going on. So Danny was like directly speaking to some of the commentators through these headsets. So on the second day, we had Jamie O'Brien in the booth and um, there's three headsets. There's two for the commentators and one for the guest. And typically like we have a little switchboard. It's like host one, host two, host three that you can like press a button and speak specifically to one of them. And so at one point, um, Jamie was in there and we were trying to like feed some questions to the commentators and, uh, Danny was, um, speaking into host two headset, trying to get in Kiala's ear saying, Kiala, ask Jamie if he ever gets sick of just filming himself all the time. And she like, wasn't responding or like, kind of like making any note that she was hearing us. So he like said it like three times, He's like, ask Jamie if he ever gets sick of just filming himself all the time. <laughs> And then he was like, that's so weird. She's not responding. And then he's like, oh, wait, we reached out to the people that were like running the technical side of the broadcast. And we we're like, which headset is Keala in? And she was like, oh, I think she switched it up with Jamie. So I think she's in three and Jamie's in two. So <laughs> Danny, Danny was just straight in Jamie's ear. So basically, yeah, it was. So that was a pretty funny one. Um, and also on the Jamie front, um, he was the one who mentioned the night before that we should run on that small day because the forecast looks so bad um so we kind of like took his advice on that one and ran and obviously people have their opinions about it but he came on the broadcast that day after surfing his heat and he was like yeah you know in my opinion they really shouldn't have run that day like today like it, it's really small like i wouldn't really consider this proper pipeline it's like what <laughs> so yeah he kind of gave it to us and um yeah we i guess we danny kind of whispered in his ear so i don't know whatever there's so many funny little moments like that that when you're just behind the scenes that yeah, the outside world would never really know about, but that's why I wanted to like give one little anecdote on here. Wow. All right. Well, stay psyched, Danny. Next time. <laughs> Carissa Moore will not compete on the 2024 Championship Tour. What? Wow. Mikey, you sent me this just as a headline before, and I just... It's one of those things that it's shocking, but not surprising. If that makes sense. I don't know if that if that does. I don't know. I haven't studied the the adjectives there. I'll have to ask Ashton. But um, <laughs> it's I was like it was something where I was like, oh, that's a big deal. But when you think about it, you're like, okay, I understand. Um, even well, Sam McIntosh predicted this a few months ago. Oh yeah, the shaman over here. He published a story called Prediction, the final five format 
at lowers. We'll kill off two surfing superstars. Uh, he's one for two right now, folks. Um, Carissa is not competing in 2024. I don't think we can take this as she's done, but it's massive news regardless. Yeah, so to give some more context here, first and foremost, we're saying she's not surfing the tour. That is by and large true, but it does sound like she may compete at Pipe and Sunset just because they're in Hawaii. She's already here. Um, it's probably a pretty easy paycheck for her, if nothing else. But we've understood that she won't be continuing on to Portugal or Australia or presumably the back half of the tour. So we get into why, right? The obvious thing that you think about is like, oh, she may be sick of the WSL finals. Sure, that may be a thing. We'll get into that a little bit more shortly. But what's really interesting is that Carissa decided to do this same thing. And by the way, she hasn't announced this yet. Um, we found this out via the various connections and sources that we have around the world. And also, obviously, a lot of people are out in Hawaii right now. So this is intel that, yeah, she hasn't decided to share with the public yet, but she has shared privately with enough people that we can verify it. Anyway, in 2020, Carissa also said that she was going to take a year off tour. She'd been on tour for over a decade. She'd won a bunch of world titles and she needed a break. That makes perfect sense. Kelly Slater obviously took a decent break during his, um, you know, after his five-year title run. Uh, this is a pretty normal thing for athletes. However, 2020, like 2024, was meant to be an Olympic year. And we see now coming up 2024 again is an Olympic year. So I think there, there's a pretty strong connection to draw there. It ended up that 2020 was a year off for every surfer because of COVID. Obviously, the Olympics got pushed to 2021, but I think Carissa felt as though with without that 2020 year on tour that she had enough of a break to come back fully recharged and she ended up winning not just the world title but also the olympics that year so coming into 2024 olympic year tahiti a wave that she has had some success at but probably feels like she could be a lot better she's also coming off of as we mentioned two pretty heartbreaking experiences at the wsl finals after leading the tour the entire year and losing in consecutive heats to Steph Gilmore and this year Caroline Marks at Lower Trestles, where the WSL Finals is guaranteed to be for at least next year. So all of these things combined, um, I think you can start to understand, like until she comes out and says explicitly why she's leaving, we can't really say, but these are all the reasons that kind of make sense in our mind. Yeah, and it does make sense. Like when you break it all down, you understand. You You're like, okay, I get that decision, especially like, she has been a famous surfer since she was a child. She has been making good money in surfing since she was a child. She's not, she's got a great head on her shoulder. It's not like the type of person that's like going to spend all that. Like she is financially secure. I think you'd say that with, with confidence, right? Especially after the year where she won a, a world title and Olympic gold medal in the same year. Like he, she, she's fine. All right. And with that, like, and I really would be, I really doubt that she would make this when she comes out and announces this. I really doubt that she'll badmouth the WSL in any way. I don't think she's that type of person. Um, and so even if there is a bit of that, I would almost guarantee she's not going to mention it. Um, I think that there's a bit of it at play, but I doubt that's going to come out publicly. Anyway. Yeah, it, it makes sense. One thing that's fascinating to me is like, you think this is going to happen, but if Felipe wins again next year, the men's world title, 
do you think the WSL would be in a weirder spot? Like it, the, the Felipe case is really interesting to me because unlike Carissa, he went into the last two years where he won world titles in first place anyway. So in the old system, he would have won. But still, I think there'd be something about the same person winning at the same wave with pretty similar surfing that would that would maybe bring some extra heat on that format and make people question it even more. Do you feel that way? A thousand percent. I mean, everyone from the beginning has said that that event location, even the WSL said that that event location should change year to year. The fact that they haven't probably comes down to money and politics and basically all the reasons that everything is the way it is in the world. But it's very, very clear, I think, to most surf fans that if you're going to have this system that essentially is less fair than how world champions were decided before. Like, we know logically that the fairest way to decide a world champion is to do it over the course of the year at a bunch of different events. You add up their scores from those events. Like, that's just the the most logical way to make it fair. This way is more interesting inherently. It's more fun. I enjoy it more. However, in order to add some sense, some semblance of fairness to it, you need to move that location to different waves. Bet online odds right now, Felipe is paying plus 500. I got him last year at like plus 300. Uh, so if you want to get in right now on Felipe, the odds are so good. So I just maxed out the freaking bet on that thing. Because I know it's going to lowers. I know he's going to be there. I know that there's a, a very high probability that he's going to win. And I don't think that that is necessarily how it should be. I think every year we need to go to a different finals location. And I think that hopefully in 2025 we do that. And hopefully that means that Carissa decides to come back and give it another crack. Because the thing is, too, like, Carissa, she, if it were based on the old model, she would be tied with Steph right now. They would both have seven titles apiece. In the way that it happened, they're now three titles apart because Steph got that one that arguably she maybe shouldn't have, and Carissa lost two that she shouldn't have. So now it's five and eight. So for Carissa, she's thinking, like, man, how do I, like, because there's that whole, like, who's the GOAT? Who's the GOAT? Like, if you're going by world titles, obviously Steph is. It could be argued that Carissa's had, like, a more sort of all-around, like, she's probably more better, an all-around better competitor than Steph, but one, the era that she competed in was much tougher than Steph's, and two, this whole system changes, like, kind of screwed her legacy in that sense. But she also could be looking at it like, okay, well, maybe I'll never get to eight or nine world titles, but if I can win two Olympic gold medals within that space then you have to consider how those are weighted as well because that's a pretty fucking big deal. Imagine if she wins Pipeline and then wins Sunset and then doesn't go to Portugal. I, that's not that's not an unrealistic thing. It'd be hard. The odds would be quite low. But it's believable. Like I wouldn't be surprised if she won Sunset or Pipe. And... That would make it really interesting to me. Imagine if she won two events and then didn't do the rest of the tour. Um, I mean, she's not going to do bad in either of those events. She's not going to bow out early in either. She'll. I would be surprised if she's not in first place after those two events. And so this will be a fascinating story to evolve. Like this will be, I'm going to say right now, I think that she'll be in first place in the WSL ratings after those two events, whether she wins one, wins both, whatever happens, I bet she'll be right up there in first. And then 
bam, see ya. That's that's wild. That's going to make this conversation around what the WSL is doing and what the best way to crown a world champion is even hotter. So I'm here for it. The Electric Acid Surfboard Test with Sean Manners, episode three. Ooh, this is the final. This is when you get to meet the winner of the Electric Acid Surfboard Test this year. Right away, I think Dion Aegis actually said it in the very intro, maybe in like the first two minutes of the series in episode one. You can hear his voice in the background when Sean is kind of unpacking the boards where he just says Rambo is the band. Um, and you've been getting hints of Rambo Strata throughout this series. Episode three, I'd say you get more of it than you have before. Rambo is a New Zealand-based surf photographer, and he is clearly the man. Uh, the waves that they found there are fascinating to me. Even They're not world-class, but they're still, if you gave that to me any day of the week, I would be thrilled, especially with a utter lack of crowds, even if I'm going to attack by a sea lion like Sean almost did in this episode. Um, but just you get a taste of how far, how far they have to walk and how much of a mission it looks like it has been to get those waves. Um, and I enjoyed that. What did you think of, of Rambo's, it's not even a cameo. What, what do you think of him featuring this edit, Mikey? And what do you think of New Zealand, South Island? Do you want to go there now? Yes, absolutely. He stri- he's um he strikes me as like New Zealand's Alan Van Geisen. Like just this guy who's so on it, so tuned in, so like high energy and charismatic and obviously an incredible photographer on top of all of that. But just like the guy that you'd want to guide you around to any part of the world. Well, specifically around his part of the world, but like he's the guy for that region. Alan's the guy for largely Africa, I suppose. Um just like the perfect tour guide around these zones. And Sean reveals something in the very beginning of this episode that I think will, again, maybe shock but not surprise viewers, to use your turn of phrase. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know where you're going with this. Because there's been a, yeah, there's been a lot of discussion about Sean's, you know, surfing on these boards, but it's revealed that they weren't actually made for him to begin with. No, they were made for Mikey Wright, who uh, had a kid. <laughs> yeah. So these are like, I mean, the outside world sees the finished product on these things. And a lot of times I think too, like Sam Macintosh um, does a really good job at sort of lifting up the curtain so that people can see what goes on behind the scenes. But this isn't something that we've touched on yet. But yeah, Mikey Wright was actually meant to be this year's electric acid surfboard tester. And while we were basically getting all these boards made and creating this whole trip, Mikey um, and well, yeah, we just talked about pregnancy, but Mikey and his partner, they they had a kid. So it didn't really work out timing wise. We knew we wanted to get one of these out this year. Sean was on an absolute roll and he was roughly the same size as Mikey. And so we said, you know what, we're going to pivot. We're going to make a call that I think people are going to be ultimately happier with. And uh, we did that. So Sean got these boards that, again, were not made for him. And it's also a project that even Sean said himself, like he, it probably doesn't focus on like the best parts of his surfing. Like Sean is, he grew up in West Oz. He basically is one of the best tube riders and one of the best aerialists in the world. Turns are something that 
he obviously can do like he grew up competing he's an incredible surfer but there's a different level like from a ct guy like a mikey wright to like a free surfer who's focusing more on these like one-off section based you know surfing so i think that probably explains or answers a lot of the questions that some of our viewers would have had over the past weeks i still think sean did a freaking like given everything that this just kind of like got sprung on him at the last second he went and surfed some waves that were definitely like pretty tricky on boards that he'd like never surfed anything like before he's like a purist on thrusters so i think all those things considered he did pretty well um and he even even gave up his leg for the cause he gave up his leg um that looks so painful Uh, we talked about floaters before they're dangerous man floaters they'll get you yeah paul evans is sitting there just wagging his finger yeah although there are sheep in this and and paul is uh he took a hard anti-sheep stance in a few episodes back so he wasn't probably thrilled about that there's a shot of many sheep in there at one point so anyway winner is revealed by the end um father and son moment in the shaping bay it's heartwarming. That's yeah. a beautiful moment. There's a there's a couple tears. Yeah, I don't. Well, let's not reveal it yet because this podcast is dropping basically the day after the episode goes live. We can give it a, a little follow up next week for people that aren't watching the series. But it's uh it's a great finale. Sean picks a very deserving board and one of the coolest boards, maybe the coolest board in the entire test. Like just visually, just. Uh, so yeah, go give it a watch. Final episode, electric acid surfboard test. Well, was that a hint? Was that a hint? Maybe. No, it's, it's all about, it's a subjective hint, isn't it? Wow. So we got father and son, coolest looking board. Huh? Okay. We'll see. All right. We'll see. All right. Go watch. Go give it a watch. And, um, now onto something that, uh, that Buck created. Dabs best wetsuits of 2024. Wow, wetsuit test. This was my first time testing many brands. I was a test pilot for Quicksilver, and by that I mean uh, I said that, hey, give me the suit that you got a sample of, and I'll just kind of tell you like two sentences about it, and then you'll keep giving me the suit, and then I'll just have a bunch of wetsuits. So I did that for a while. To be honest, that experience did make me think a lot more about neoprene. Having friends who were in roles where they had to design neoprene or design just a range of wetsuit made me think way more about it. Seeing how companies even structure ranges of wetsuits made... I'm keen to that world. I guess I, I know how suits work to an extent. I wouldn't say that uh, I could develop a product confidently, but I know how wetsuits work kind of. And so this year... Myself and Laura Crane were able to test suits from Rift Curl, Ion, Monera, Orca, Mystic, Feral, Patagonia, O'Neill, Kobe Plus, Adelio, Body Glove, a bunch of booties from them, as well as booties from Vans and Solite. We did it here in Portugal, and it was fun. We had a tough forecast, I gotta be honest. Um, in the fall here, we did it like October, November. and It looked like pipe has looked the past couple days since the event finished. <laughs> man if we and we had to put an effort to get that like obviously that can happen it did happen but a lot of times that time of year here you can also kind of get these little patterns like we're about to fall into one now where it's kind of just fun size waves decent winds clear skies it's easy to just like surf a few times a day and just get through some suits and do what you need to do to make this project happen 
whereas we did have to drive up and down every little nook and cranny of this country to get these things and it was still like there were some days um the guy who filmed a lot of this we had elio antonio and john ray filming john edited it john's background is in snowboarding primarily um he spent time in places like alaska filming people he spent time in like just fucking had to just sit there in blizzards and just endure copying that right he's actually my chief snow bro when i need snowbro advice i come to him to make fun of these people anyway john described one of the days as the worst conditions he's ever filmed in um this is coming from a man who he once had to dig a guy out of an avalanche um he has been involved in an avalanche incident and he said that it was just the worst that he's ever filmed in in any situation so that was an honor yeah that's i mean that's truly putting the wetsuits to the test so we thank you for that buck and john yeah yeah no mostly john i mean you get wet anyway in a wetsuit so i never really minded rain wind is not great when it's especially blowing in a way that you don't want it to but um i have to say can we reveal the wetsuit winner here is that okay you think Oh, yeah. All right. We can. But hold on. Before you do that, I want to say that, first of all, Buck's intro is just an absolute must watch to this film. It's so great. He wrote the script. He read the narration. I imagine he had some hand in the in the choice of visuals and graphics as well. Um, it really, really just ties the whole thing together. And then Laura Lou Crane, I'd like heard her name. I feel like we like did something with her like very, very, very many years ago, but I don't really remember. But she was fantastic. She was like one of the best on-camera personalities that I've ever seen in one of our productions. Oh, she's fucking incredible. She's so cool. <laughs> um, she, so she grew up, she's from the UK. She grew up riding for Bill Long and like winning just UK national titles and shit like that. And then she kind of got famous in the mainstream world, did some modeling work, and has kind of been focused on that for the past, I don't know, five-ish years and now she's like hey fuck that i don't like that stuff she made good money i think doing it but it was just like i like to surf like i grew up surfing i love it and like i'll still do whatever i have to do to make money in that world but like i want to just focus on surfing again and so that's kind of where her head is at and she's like she is she works out really hard and is like just a really strong person i think like she could beat you and i in wrestling easy um, together we could t we, surely we could take her together. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. She's been training really hard and surfing Nazare a bunch. Like, she surfed it a few days before we did this test, like, on a, on a big day. And then earlier this week, it was fucking large again on Monday. And check out her IG, just Laura Lucrane. She's She got bombs. Like, I wouldn't be... Don't be surprised if she gets, like... I guess we have to wait for a big enough swell, which hasn't happened in the past over 365 days. But um, she's working with one of the best people out there to work with and is just the, a very capable and just going person there. So, like, she is going to be on some of the biggest ways written at Nazareth, I'd say, in the not-so-distant future. So you're going to see more of her. Um, she's sick. It was so cool working with her this trip. All right, so this is the point where if you don't want to find out the winner and you want to watch for yourself, you maybe tune out and skip ahead five minutes or so. Uh, Buck, would you like to do the honors? Who is this year's best wetsuit? Oh, Neil, easy. Oh. Easy. I mean, yeah. you've done a few of these, Mikey. I know, I think the most recent one you did, you chose seven till eight, which is a 
custom wetsuit company, so you get sized up and no, no, the most recent one I did O'Neill won as well, actually. Oh, seven to eight was the year before. I know that you did one with O'Neill winning, but um, their suits are next level. I actually have like I have a memory of the first time I wore an O'Neill suit when I was like it was one of their like first like freak models, whatever, and I didn't know wetsuits could feel like that. Like I was just in this thing that was like very like V1 wetsuit, like just you could feel the stitches. It was just, I was a kid, you know? And I got this thing that was like, I was just like, holy shit, this is, this is not a, you can't call this the same product. I can't say that it felt quite that way on this test. I mean, honestly, every single suit we tried was a great suit. Like, Shout out, I'm going to say it here. I mentioned it in the comments, somebody asked about Colby Plus. I think that's probably the best bang for your buck suit. They're doing a great suit for not a lot of money. Like that thing blew my mind for what it's worth. It didn't make the final. It just wasn't quite up there with the O'Neill or the Mystic for me. But um, where wetsuit technology is at nowadays is pretty incredible. For a 4.3, you're so flexible. You're not going to get cold. And uh We've come a long way, even I think in the past like 10 years. But the O'Neill was really at a next level, I think. Like the thing just, for it being a 4.3, you just didn't really mind. Like usually you put in a 4.3 and you're like, oh, this kind of sucks. Like <laughs> I'm I'm not going to be able to surf as good. That thing you're just like, ah, easy. Like just going to focus on the waves. So they won, Mikey. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah, it's like, I mean, they're the first. To, it's pretty impressive that the, first company to do it is still making the best stuff like normally you'd think that a company that's been doing it for so long they could get like you know stuck in old ways of thinking or whatever but they are constantly developing and evolving and the fact that they're the best today is yeah it's really really impressive so well done to o'neill uh what about booties i know you did a booty test i saw a, a short clip of you trying to run up a vertical half pipe like maybe like a 12 foot half pipe or something what was that part of the test what happened there yeah so we tried basically with the ramp thing with that i went to a castle at one point in wetsuit too we were trying some different ways to test wetsuits and you'll see them they'll trickle out i think mikey but uh it was all kind of just to say that you test wetsuits in the ocean we did do a, an ice bath test because the water was kind of warmer than what it, it, it Portugal can be warm or cold. Like if you get certain winds, it can get cold fast. Uh, if you get certain winds, it can get kind of it can stay warm for a while. And so we had the certain winds where it was staying warm for a while. And so I thought it was important to actually test those things in severely cold water, three degrees Celsius. So I don't know, just under forty Fahrenheit probably. Um, and that revealed a lot. Like you feel a difference between suits actually. And that was to me important because I didn't feel like we really tested warmth otherwise because it was, we were surfing in warmer water realistically than what you probably needed a 4.3 in. Okay. So booties, who won? So light and Vans. I chose so light. I, I think you're a fan. I've used them. I've used them. Yeah. No, they did it for me. One thing I found with booties, I say it in the edit is you can't really blame any particular brand because every brand is just sizing differently. But like I got sent the same size booties from many brands and some were just running big, some were running small. And like both those things are problems. Like if a booty's small, your feet hurt the whole time. If a booty's big, you're tripping over your toes. And I was feeling that even with the same size and with the Solites, 
you mold those to your feet. Like you put boiling water in there and then you put your feet in there and for a little bit, not in that order. You let them chill for a little bit. Mikey, don't be worried about my feet. I see your face. Um, those, I just felt like, okay, the fit problem was immediately solved. Um, so those are really good. Those, those are great booties. Laura chose the Vans. She wasn't sure if the gelling process worked as well for her so light. Um, they were her second favorite scene, but she she really liked the Vans, to be honest. It was one, two for them as me as well. I mean, for me as well, because I knew that this is my first time wearing Vans booties, but I knew they made a great product. So really, those two stood out from the pack. Yeah, but the Solites, they did it for me. I They're great. All right, so we got Vans and Solite for the booty winners. You guys both picked O'Neill for the wetsuit winners. Interesting to note that in our audience survey this year of over 7,000 people, we asked who their favorite wetsuit brand was, and O'Neill won that one by a pretty decent margin as well. So that seems to be pretty much a consensus across the surf world right now that O'Neill's making the best wetsuits, so well done again. And there were a few comments asking why some of the bigger brands, like for instance, Billabong actually won best wetsuits last year. They weren't in it this year. And same goes for your old wetsuit brand of Quicksilver. So reasoning behind that is um, basically while we were planning this project and getting all the suits in, that was when um, the board riders acquisition or crossover was happening with ABG. So people in those companies, they had way bigger problems to deal with than making sure that we got our wetsuit for best wetsuits. So that's why you won't see them in this year's thing. It's not so much a conspiracy as it was just a matter of circumstance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that at least one of those companies didn't even make a new range of suits this year. People, people, um, you know, it's a classic COVID story of, we talked about it with um, with banks, like, shit was going crazy for a bit. You overorder and then you have too much stock. That happened with a lot of wetsuit companies. And I know at least one of those companies didn't actually make a new range of wetsuits, just kept their stock from last year and continue to sell it, which is not normal. So no. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that. Anyway, let's talk about wave pools. Shane, that wave pool guy, Magnuson on the newly opened Palm Springs Surf Club. Oh wow, a wave pool in Southern California. That's something. That's something, Mikey. Well, a wave pool in Southern California that a normal person can walk into and pay to go ride waves for an hour. I get what you're saying, but I don't consider Kelly's thing. I know I probably if you look at a map, it looks like it's in the southern part, but like that feels central to me. It just feels central out there in the desert, but you could be right. You could be right. No, I think if you looked at it, if you're gonna cut the state into thirds, I would think it'd still probably be in that lower third. But nobody does that. You get to like Santa Barbara, and people are like, "This is NorCal, bro," and you're like, no, "Look at the fucking map. You're hardly." <laughs> no, you're not. I know San Francisco is like basically at the freaking um, the middle of California, and it's like that's like deep NorCal. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, yeah, NorCal. Um, so yeah anyway in Southern California wow exciting we have been seeing this thing for a while it's the first surf locks wave systems wave pool so correct me if I'm wrong Mikey but I think that there was a small scale kind of proof of concept demo pool there for a bit just to be like hey that's correct th yep this works and then so went all right well this technology works let's 
build a bigger pool and really make it happen. And now it's happening. This has been, I mean, with that proof of concept stage, it's been a long time coming and it is going to be open next month in January, 2024. So this is wild. Yeah. So it took them three years to start to build the full size pool. They, like you said, they made that small one, I think in 2019 proof of concept, it worked. Um, and so, all right, let's go full scale. They did. It took them three years. They had a lot of issues. Like they basically were supposed to start construction right when COVID was hitting. And that was not a good time because all their investors pulled out, blah, blah, blah. In the end, they got it done. It cost them $80 million, which is like an unbelievable investment. But now, as Buck said, it's going to be open to the public. And basically, prices per head for an hour start at $100. But most of the people listening to this webcast or podcast are not going to want to pay for that because that's like the little Waikiki style wave. However, we have um, an intermediate wave starting at $150 an hour and $200 for the advanced waves. I'm sure you saw some of the videos that dropped the other day, Buck, about this wave. Um, Are you as excited as I am? I am, especially because last time I was in California, I actually was in that area. For my wife's birthday, we went out to Joshua Tree, which is like a 45-minute drive from Palm Springs. Uh, And first of all, this area is like two hours from San Diego and Los Angeles unless you have insane traffic, which seems to happen most of the time. Um, Anyway, I just, when I started to see this, and like I said, this pool has been on my radar for a while, but when you see it and understand it's like a facility that you just go visit soon, I was like, oh my God, that would have changed the nature of my trip dramatically. Like I, because I had days out there, it was my wife's birthday. Like I said, I had to, you know, be polite about it, but like, fucking walking into antique shops. I bought, the only thing I did was just, I bought an, a little, it was $15. It was like a wooden Egyptian pyramid that had hieroglyphics written on it. I don't know what, this could be like a religious decree that they wrote on it. It said like, humans should have sex with animals. I wouldn't know. I don't know how to read it. And so and I just walked around doing shit like that all day and being hot and sweaty. And instead I'd be like, okay, you go do that. Or you drop me here and then I get surf and you do, you know, it's like, it would just change my entire experience. And then still we go to the desert and watch the sunset and do the whole thing. People, Joshua Tree, you, you ever been out there? You've been to that zone? I've been there. Yeah. My dog ran into the desert and stepped on about 14 cactuses and we had to pull all of those things out of his paws. It was a great time. Wow. Yeah. It's a place people go out there. I feel like it's a very big, uh, just go out there, eat a bunch of psychedelic drugs. Now they just microdose. They just, you got to go with the full thing, I think. But anyway, that's like what Joshua Tree means to a lot of people. So that's right there. Like I said, two hours from San Diego and LA. It's a game changer for, I think, a lot of people in Southern California, Mikey. It sure is. And so we chatted with Shane Magnuson, who most people just know as that wave pool guy. Um, But it turns out, I mean, Shane had a really actually impressive professional career as a surfer, which we get into in this interview. He breaks down how he went from a pro surfer to ending up basically running that pool down in Waco, previously known as the Barefoot Ski Resort, now known as Waco Surf. But he was the one who brought that down there. He had a hand in dropping that clip that aired at the end of the Founders Cup. Um, I think you remember the one that sort of broke the internet. Everybody was talking about Lamore, and then they were instantly talking about Waco, Texas. 
Um, and yeah, I flew down right after that to Waco and I met Shane for the first time and he brought us around. So he's had like a really big influence on basically wave pools and surfing. He was the one that made the section that starred in Stab High for two years. And eventually he decided that he wanted to kind of have a little bit more stake in the game. So along with Kalani Rob, Tom Lochtefeld and some other founders and investors, they opened Palm Springs Surf Club. He's been living out there for five years. He's been boots on the ground. He's been basically managing the entire project and now it is coming to fruition so we talked to Shane about all that and got some more insights and yeah um, it's a really good little chat that I had with him a good read on the site and I guess we'll listen to a little snippet of him here throw throw Shane in the booth he's got a great soothing voice let's get him in here so what's your favorite wave in this new pool oh man the slabs are fucking jammed the slab's so sick, dude. It's, it, I, it's fucking insane. When I saw the clips of, like, Chippa, <laughs> like, how deep they're getting, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's it's nuts, dude. I mean, it's it's not, like, a super long tube. Hopefully, we can make it longer. I, I definitely have some ideas there. But it's a proper slab. And, you know, at first, you're just like, where do I sit? And, like, it, it's just, like, every wave pool, right? Like, we're just getting in and outs. And then you're like, okay, now I understand the drop and where I need to be exactly. Now you can start playing with it. And I was watching those guys do that as they surfed it more, where you're starting to claw the wall and you're sitting on the phone ball a little more. Yeah. And my favorite part about it is the view from inside, but the fact that you can come out and you can rip like a huge gaff, but that is awesome. It, it, it definitely feels as far as the tubes are concerned, like way more of a natural ocean situation. All right, Mikey, what else we got? A lot of, we got a, oh, speaking of names, a Judd Hankies, Hankes. A Judd Hanks surf snow film. Hey, this is really, really impressive. I don't know if you had a chance to watch this yet. I watched it today. Oh my God. Like he's such an incredible surfer for somebody who that's not even his like main discipline and then i don't even care about snowboarding i know you don't really either but some of these clips were just absolutely mind-blowing like he he's the type of snowboarder that i think people who don't know much about snowboarding can appreciate because he just has like such good style and everything he does just feels very it's like a good mix of like athletic and poetic it's it's fucking beautiful wow snowbro mikey you're about to go out to to aspen this year I know. Talking about poetic snowboarding. I just, it was so beautiful. This, the way it was shot by um, Spencer, Gimbal God. And I just, I really, really loved it. And Garrett actually had a chat with Judd about himself and about this film. So if you want to learn more about like basically a cross sport prodigy, 22 year old from La Jolla, um, you can go give that a watch and a read. And what else? Oh, um, we got that Kanehe interview that you asked for. We asked him about his truck. Turned out he had not washed it yet. Didn't watch it yet. No, sorry. No. With this shit run as well, it's going to get washed. Well, that's true. And also, this one kind of snuck under the rug. I, I don't know if this was intentional or not um, to like, kind of put it in the middle of the pipe masters when everybody's eyes were diverted. But basically, the Paris Olympic Committee, Committee has said we don't really care about what anybody says about this Tahiti situation or our barge running into the reef. We're going to build this new structure. So 
like I said, like this has not really been discussed much because there's been so much else going on in the surf world, but this happened just a few days ago. Um, and coinciding with that, we had Cliff Capono as one of the commentators in the Pipe Masters. And before the Pipe Masters, he was over in Tahiti doing his reef mapping thing that he does um, with his company, which is called, oh, what's the name? Megalab. Yes, thank you. So they went there to Tahiti. They mapped the reef at Chopo. And they did an analysis and they gave basically an official recommendation that putting in this tower would have significant harmful effects on the reef. It would cause over a million dollars in damages. And specifically to that one area uh, where the judge's tower is going to go, it would be like $170,000 worth of damage, which is based on um, some models and stuff that they've established. So that was their recommendation. The Paris Olympic Committee said, yeah, sorry, we don't really care. We're doing this. We're the Olympics. So that's where we're at. I'm sure this story is going to just continue and twist and turn for the next few months. Um, but that's where we're at right now. They're, they're in their minds, at least moving forward. It's just going to be a classic French struggle of whether or not it's possible. It's just, is it possible or not? This is always, this is the tension after living there for a while. You just never know whether or not something is possible. And so there's going to be a lot of French people going back and forth, seeing what's possible. So forth come. All right. So that's what else you can find on the site right now. For next week, we have a Palm Springs Surf Club edit with Chippa Wilson and friends. This is actually an off cut from a film that we're working on right now with Chippa. I think we mentioned it earlier in the year in this podcast when we went to Nicaragua with Chippa and Felipe. So basically, we're making a whole film about Chippa and friends on the monster team. It's going to be amazing. This is a section that Chippa went to the pool with Eitan Osborne, Tara Watanabe, and the one and only Bobby Boucher. No, Bobby Martinez. Um, they ripped the shit out of it, but we decided to pull it out of the film. Well, I snuck ahead in our Vimeo. I was I went naughty when I was watching the East today. I saw that. I was like, yeah, I'm going to check it out. What do you think? Taro. One word, Taro. Oh, how Taro. good is he? Fuck. I've never seen a wave. Like, I... I really like his surfing. I didn't think it could be that compelling in that environment. And it was delivered way more than I thought it could. It was, it's, he's insane. Agreed. I mean, he got like a 15, which is the equivalent of a five in the Pipe Masters for basically just like one layback on a little inside section. Like that's how good his technique is. It's unbelievable. Oh, he's insane. Out there he was, oh, oh, oh. anyway, one word, Taro, watch it. But the whole thing is good. Obviously see Bobby chippa it's great and you have a surfline story coming out where we just figure out what the fuck's going on with surfline they've had so many changes over the past few years they had this crazy big investment from this firm they had ceos come and go and buck is going to get to the bottom of all of it oh i sure am been sniffing around folks so we're coming on that front and as you know we're conducting our stab surfer of the year polls right now uh sam mcintosh has been out in hawaii with us and he's probably done about 50 how surfer get surfers get paid interviews so we have a lot more episodes there he reckons he can do this series for the next three years i reckon he can do it for the next 30 uh it's just a never-ending supply of like incredible stories from you know jamie o'brien shane dorian josh kerr and people younger as well so um yeah there's a lot to look forward to in the coming months Thank you, as always, for listening to The Drop. 
it's been a big week and there's only more to come. I know we're coming into the holidays. It feels like I just, you know, everybody, it seems like wants to relax, but we just can't because there's too much happening. So we're going to be here hammering it hard until the holidays. And then we're going to hit you with all the stab surfer of the year picks over that window. So stay tuned. We are going to be delivering everything that we possibly can um, in that short window. And then we're going to enjoy some time off with our friends and family as well, but not too much, just a little bit. Anyway, um, yeah, I think that's it. So until next week, over and out.